When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Hockey fans, if you'd like a copy of my new book, Tales with TR, Fights, Film, and Folklore, head on over to flankerpress.com. If you'd like a personalized copy for $25 plus shipping, email me at terryryan2020 at gmail.com. That's terryryan2020 at gmail.com. Gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to episode 123B, featuring upcoming the one and only Terry Virtue. Very excited. Terry's a legend that I had the fortune to play against and uh, travel with. We had uh, we had a good time in Nashville back in April. And uh, anyway, I'll get right into that. But uh, before I do that, I want to recognize one thing and bring one thing up. And I often go on here. I often, if you'll notice, skip over most days, whether it's, I don't know, Valentine's Day. I don't remember ever making a thing about that. I might say Merry Christmas. But, you know, we have all these days now, National Cheeseburger Day and then International Hamburger Day. How are they different days? Uh, You know, National fucking Flip-Flop Day. Tell your friend they love you or you love them day. Like, it's just so many of these days and shirts and colors and you're, we're running out of time and energy. I am mentally to pay attention to all of it. But September 30th was National Truth and Re- Reconciliation Day here in Canada. And that recognizes, I believe, uh, indigenous people and the residential schools that um, the tragedy 
of residential school system and uh, it's just soaked in absolute the worst of the worst um it was a black mark on our history it exists i often think we need to turn the page with a lot of different forms of social adversity i guess we're all going through that together whether it's i can't imagine what it's like to be indigenous and have people related to that but as uh what would you say i don't know a caucasian as someone that's family didn't go through that although of course there's adversity in my family's past nothing like that i don't know what it would be like i can't imagine being associated in that way and that people in my family were mistreated and even murdered raped all of it you might as well say it what happened um if you don't know what i'm talking about i'm not going to get into the history of it check it out um google i don't know the history of the canadian residential school system and there's a lot of bad things that we're still uncovering literally in in, in the way of graves uh, and whatnot and it's it happened and i do think it needs to be recognized it was almost a form of cultural genocide really that's a big that's a big claim but i don't know how else to describe it so i feel of everything right of fucking we're celebrating a giant six foot bunny bouncing around from house to house i'll probably say happy easter even though i'm not religious and i don't believe in big bunnies let alone noah's ark um, I do believe that people were very mistreated uh, are, are, as humans. We go back in any direction and you see the absolute tragedies that have taken place in uh, most societies, if not all. But for us, this was a real black mark on our history. And uh, I won't say the page is turned. Will it ever be really? But we're turning it. And it's impossible to do that with now, without uncomf uh, uncovering uncomfortable things about our past. So I know a lot of people listening to this are associated with that bad story one way or another, as am I. You know, we're all linked to the past. It's our country. It's our world that we live in. So anyway, I thought that should be said and I thought I should have said it last time. So apologies that I didn't, but it's an important day to acknowledge. So there you go. Um, well, I didn't expect to start on that note, but I'm glad I did. Now, Terry Virtue, excited about this one coming right up. Ladies and gentlemen, my next guest is a Western Hockey League graduate who has a storied professional hockey career that lasted almost two decades, highlighted by a couple of stints in the big show with the Boston Bruins and the New York Rangers. A former Hobima Hawk, the man they call Virch Captain, many of the teams he played on, and achieved AHL superiority by winning the historic Alder Cup championship twice in the late 1990s. Not surprisingly, he's found some success in the coaching world, since retirement, and even won the coveted Memorial Cup in 2011. He is a poised player, a legendary leader, an amazing AHLer, a talkative traveler, a probert puncher, a wild winner. He likes French toast and started pro in the coast. Then one day, he found himself in the A, 
And what do you know? He played in the show. He talks about winning and his hair is thinning. He got in a fight against Proby one night. Yes, it was Proby he picked and he got his ass kicked. That was back in the day and now he's gone gray. As you may have guessed, he played junior out west. Students like to study and Sandman's his buddy. His pubes are thick, but he has a pretty big stick. Folks, I once knew a priest who we called Church Lou. And look who it is. It's Terry Virtue. What up? Nice. I like that, TR. I like that. I don't know what the hair thinning and graying, but, uh, but for all the other things, very nice. Very nice. Very nice. You know? uh, it looks all right. So what are you up to? Tell us what the hell you're up to right now. You're in Jersey, is it? Yes. I moved to New Jersey about a month ago. Month ago, and enjoying the shit down on the shore, down on the shore, right on the beach. Why? Girl. Not that I don't like fucking Girl. New Jersey. I'm saying you were in Girl. Worcester. Am I wrong? Were you in Worcester? Yeah, I was in Worcester. I was in Worcester. Met a girl and uh, all her down her beautiful area. Good, good girl. So, uh, yeah, the Sandman just visited me. So, I and think he liked the area, even though he brought all the rain. It's been raining here for four days straight. So, so do you, do you move from Worcester to Jersey? I'm guessing isn't that far. That whole um, that area is in my mind from the road trips. Were you in Worcester like since you played? Because I'm seeing all this coaching. I didn't realize. I mean, obviously you 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 lived in Owen Sound when you coached there, but was that home base, Worcester? Is that where you would go back? No, to? I was actually in Wheeling, West Virginia, where I played in the East Coast League. So I, I always had a house there when I uh, played. Always had a house, and then uh, so uh, played there, and then uh, so, and then so once I retired, back. actually, so so I'd go there every summer, hung out there every summer, and uh, and then when I retired, I actually tried to sell the house, moved out to Tri Cities for three years, coached there for three, and then. Uh, Went to Owen Sound for two. And a good thing about that is my family's originally from the Owen Sound area. So lived at my grandmother's house for for a year and a half when I was there because she wasn't wasn't around anymore. But uh, yeah, that's kind of how, uh, how it went. Okay, so I was going to ask, might as well start there. I look it up. It says you're born in Scarborough, Ontario. So that's yeah. where your family's from then, right? Now, yeah. I think you told me you grew up in Stony Plain or Spruce Grove, one of those places. Let's get this right. It was Spruce Grove. Trans Stony Plain. Spruce Grove was a little nicer than Stony Plain, you know? So, and how old were you, say, when you met Sam? Was that in junior? We were like, I think I was 13 or 14. He was like 12. No, we met playing Bantam football together. Okay, explain that. He he was bigger than everybody else, but so we played for the, uh, I think they were called the, the Spruce Grove Cougars or Fear Cougars football team. So what was it in Spruce Grove? What's that? So we combined. I mean, Spruce Grove, Stony Plain. Now they're basically they're basically combined now. There's no there's no miles in between them. There used to be like two miles, three miles in between them. It was a big rivalry. I mean, Spruce Grove had twelve thousand people. They had five. Now I think it's probably fifty thousand people combined. So. And you played football. That's an odd secondary sport. Any? Did you play other sports? I played everything. I played baseball, lacrosse, volleyball, badminton. Played them all. So was hockey then, you grew up in that area when the Oilers were winning. Was hockey still number one or when you were nine, say, if someone told you, like, what sport are you going to pick? Would it 100% be hockey or would it have been something else? It would have been hockey, but I was the sh- I was probably the shittiest hockey player on our team. I was always the fifth or sixth defenseman on our team up until 
last year banner. So what, 15? 16? I was going to ask. Yeah, I mean, you seem to be, and I'll get into this later, but still improving all the way through. Like, it's not like you put up big junior numbers and then eventually become the assist leader in the A. I mean, it's a really unorthodox pass, but I'll get there in a second. So Hobima Hawks then, that you're a kid there, right? I hear Sandman played for Hobima, a couple of his buddies. I'm trying to place this. Does that team still exist? It's fairly legendary. No, they don't exist. I don't know how many years they last after us, five or six years after after they 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 folded. It was it was a great experience for us. I mean, except for the first couple of weeks. But well, so that was junior A, right? Yeah, yeah. Tier two in the Alberta Junior Hockey League. So did you know then that was before the draft going into the dub? So what was your connection with the dub? How did you I think it was Victoria first or whatever? Did they list you? Like how did that work? And you were late getting there. You know what? When I was young, I went and watched the Calgary Wranglers play once. That was all I knew about it. And then a good friend of mine was Stu Barnes, another Spruce Grove kid. So that's how I got to know. I know he got listed by the Regina Pats. I don't, and then he ended up going to New West, then to Tri Cities. That's that was my Western Hockey League experience. I really, back in the day, you didn't really think about Western League anything. You're just happy. You're, you know, you got to play hockey. I mean, so. That's the, what it was. And then Hobima, you know, I, I was on the all-star team, played played the all-star game, got MVP. And then it was kind of one of the things that the Western League started asking for me to come. So it was Victoria was one that asked me to, you know, play. I actually went to Kamloops training camp that year. It got cut because they kept, uh, I think, I, I, I think they kept a sixteen-year-old Daryl Sador over me instead of instead of keeping me. So it was kind of like, what you know? Did they make a mistake on that? Probably. What the fuck were they thinking, Virch? Um, <laughs> yeah. So you and you always wherever you go, you have way more penalty minutes than games played. Did you start like that? And I don't know. You was an overly ferocious person, so. Clearly, it's a different thing that happens on the ice. I'm similar. I can relate to you. And and sometimes it's a game. It was a tough time. You, it, you know, and for me, I, I, I knew I could do it. I wasn't always mad. But I'm like, you know, this clearly people like it. And, and at the same time, it was a rough era. So your teammates are getting slew-footed, cross-checked. You know, there's all kinds of things. People are running the goalie on tactic. So you kind of had to. If you, wanted to. if you wanted to get respect from the teammates, that I mean, that's probably the more than anything it's why i did it did you do that early i don't see the uh like when you went to hobima and then you go to victoria tri-cities you're still getting lots of penalty minutes where you did you was that a big part of your game it wasn't big i i don't i don't know if sandman told you about our first year in hobima we had the toughest hockey team around we it was crazy people tell me about that yeah well, so I didn't have to fight, but I just ended up fighting. My first fight ever was against this guy from, he was at LA Kings training camp of fighting and I won punched him. I had no idea that I was going to fight them. But, but when I was a kid, I used to fight in school all the time. And yeah. I don't know why, why everybody wanted to fight me, but yeah, we didn't have to fight too often. We, we had a big tough team. I mean, you met, you met C, right? Jason C, right? He was one of the tougher guys and we had bear skin and we had all these guys from all over Manitoba, Ontario brought in Gary Braun brought, brought these guys in that were just killers. So is Hobima a reserve? Is that what it is? Yeah. Okay. Yes. And and the other teams of bust would have to come in 
they would close the fence off, yeah. close in, so you they couldn't get to the dressing rooms. There was there was no there's no fans getting down to the dressing room. It was all caged in because we would sell out, and yeah. it was it was wild times back then. You know, there's a lot of drinking going on before games, during games. It, it would get rowdy in there, and yeah. so it was a exciting place to play. And they treated us unbelievable. It gave us money when we won games. It was you know there was a lot of money back in the on the reservation back then. No, I hear those these legendary stories, and I can see how that would be really intimidating coming in as a visitor. I mean, you guys must have done well, especially with a tough team. Um, okay, so you go on, you, you head up to the Victoria Cougars, 88-89. You're doing all right. 89-90, you get traded to Tri-Cities. So, looking at your numbers, 34 games with Tri-City in 89-90, one goal, 10 assists. It's pretty good, though. A point every third game for a D that's fine in your well, way. Well, it's good when you got Sandman as a partner, for sure. 80, <laughs> but 82 penalty minutes, that's on pace for two or 300 in a league that I, I believe back then they didn't count 10s. They didn't when I played. So yeah. now I know what you're saying. So you come in, were you thinking fight first? Or 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 which I, I can't really see that being your makeup, but maybe I'm wrong. Or were you just saying, I'm in the Western League, this is my opportunity, there's so many meatballs running around that I'm going to stick up for myself and my teammates? That's exactly what it was. It was just sticking up for my teammates. I was never the guy to, to be the aggressor on most things. It was, it was more protecting guys. You know, back in the day, too, if you're getting down by three or four goals, I was one of those guys that's going to go stir up the ship, too, and start something just to get the team rolling, too. So it was one of those things. And I think that's why I stayed around the game for so long, too, is because I wasn't afraid to do that, stir the shit up. I believe that you're uh, a lot of parallels with uh, the way I think and I approach the game. So Portland, you go there your last year, junior. Now you do put up some numbers, 59 games played, 53 points, 127 minutes. Those are great all round. Were teams coming to knock because I see you still had to go through a couple of years, full years in the East Coast League. You go to Roanoke, Louisville, you're doing all right down there. You're showing that you're going to be an offensive player there's a little bit more to your game but it was the east coast league were any nhl teams or american league teams calling so i started in the east coast league making 241 dollars a week and that was wow pay our own rent we had to pay our own rent so there's that's a decision right that's a decision a lot of people yeah like i say survival of the finish you got to the nhl it was worth it but a lot of people at that point go fuck this i'm going home to either work in the mill or go to school and and, you know right so so 241 dollars a week my first game we're playing the Greensboro Monarchs. I was kicked out in the first seven minutes. I fought one of my best friends from home, Todd Gordon. Fought him seven minutes in the game in a line brawl. We sat up in the game together, and and I fought a lot in junior, but I watched fight after fight after fight. I think I got, got back to the hotel, called my dad. I said, I don't know if this is for me right now. Like this is this is crazy. Like this is this is crazy. Fight, fight after fight. The next day we're going into Johnstown where Slapshot was filmed, Charleston. Or, you know, we're going there. We're going to we're going there. Our coach is suspended. It was Roy Somner was the coach then. Yeah. He, he's suspended. My uh my uh D partner, uh, Whitfield, I can't, and uh, Billy Whitfield was coaching us. It was, he was player coach. I said, are we in slap shot or what? Like this, <laughs> this is the league of slap shot. Like what the hell is going on? But there was no fights that game. So I kind of walked away. Okay. I'm going to have to get the odd games where, you know, there was going to be fighting, but we, 
we go into Norfolk and John Brophy was coaching there and oh, like John Brophy and it was you were scared going in there at times but uh yeah so I had to put a couple of years in there was about to retire I was about to retire go to Nate had some good friends that were going to hire me in the oil and gas business they were like really? you, know you know what we're gonna you know we're gonna tell you what to take at school We'll, uh, you know, for the first year or so, and then you'll come out and we'll just train you the way we want. You'll probably make 75, 80 coming out of school. So, okay. No, I was about to do that. And the Edmonton Oilers called me to ask me to go to training camp. So that's kind of where it all started with the American League. I was about to go to school and they just, all of a sudden the week before I was school, they, there was an open at camp, uh, like the Wheeling Thunderbirds were, were affiliated with the Oilers. So I think I did, I, and 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 I don't know if you know the Western coach, Doug Sauter, good good man. I, great, I know all about him. Great guys, he's hilarious. He, I don't think he wanted to lose me, so he got me to camp, and I had a great camp. So, great camp there. So, awesome. Uh, in Roanoke Valley, you played with Mark Wolf. I bet you guys never had the odd rum and coke. Uh, Wolfie, Wolfie. And I, Wolfie and I hung out. He's a good guy. He was he was great. He was a Western Lager, so it was one of those things that we fit fit with a good relationship together. So it was nice. Yeah. He's a good buddy of mine. I played with him on and off over the years, a bit of roller hockey. I saw yeah. you played a year of pro. I played on team Canada one year, but I didn't, I wanted to play in the, in those leagues, but Montreal wouldn't let me when I was under contract and then it kind of fizzled, but he played with a good buddy of mine, Darren Colburn from here. So I, I, I met Wolfie really early on and I knew, and then I played in the West coast league, of course, against him. And he came here. He was an import in our senior league. Wolfie oh, really? would fly in from Calgary, yeah. yeah. And yeah. Uh, Wayne Muir, too. He was. He also played for the Cornerbrook Royals. Shout out to the Newfoundland Senior League. Um, he was a. He was one of our tougher imports. So, you know, that roller hockey, I like to talk about the roller hockey because we, honestly, so 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 I was in Wheeling and a, and a friend of mine was playing for the Atlanta Knights at the time and he called and said, hey, you want to play roller hockey? I'm like, yeah, sure, I can use money. And then I went up in Cape Breton. Then, then I didn't need the money. I know I was signing, but I signed with the Atlanta Knights that summer. Yeah. And they wanted me to come play roller hockey. I was never on rollerblades in my life. Never on rollerblades in my life. We go, and there's a lot of Canadian guys weren't, you know, there's a lot of guys like, I don't you never remember Corey Cadd and a couple other. I followed it. I followed it because Colburn ended up winning a world. Him and Wolfie were like this deadly combo. I actually watched the last championship ever won in the Montreal Forum was the boys played for San Jose, beat the Montreal Rocket, I think it was, Yvonne Cormway, or the Roadrunners. Roadrunners. It, it was sold out in Montreal. I couldn't believe it. So I I, I, I watched, and I, like Langer would go down, Todd Gillingham, these yeah, guys yeah. I knew. I'm like, what are you guys doing? And Gilly would be like, oh, I'm actually making more down there in the summer than I am in pro. I'm like, what? Anyway, anyway, tell me. So we, so we lost 19-3 to 3 our first game on ESPN. It was on ESPN. <laughs> What? We lost. We lost to Minnesota, nineteen to three. Oh, at ESPN of all <laughs> the games. Oh, Jesus. So, so we, we we do that, and then we get better as a team. But I actually made the All Star team. We go. I, I go to Vancouver. There's seventeen thousand fans at the All Star game for roller hockey. It was it was unbelievable. I'm looking, and Brian Trottier was on our team. Played on our team. You know, <laughs> I know that was that was the first time I got to know him. So it was good. And then by the end of it. We beat Minnesota in the playoffs on ESPN too. So it was, so it was, it was just night and day. As, you know, the, the Canadians were not brought up on on rollerblades. It's a little bit more now, but that was early nineties. Yeah. We're playing against against like the Minnesota American kids that were, you know, they played roller hockey. All they the play. Time. That's so, what they play. 
Oh, it was just a holy, but it was a good experience. It was a great experience. Fuck got, yeah, I can't believe you know, we got to visit Montreal. We played the Roadrunners. It was great going in there to play them. It was, you know, it was a great summer job, dude. In like three years, their stadium sold out, and they lost. Whoever dropped the ball on that. Oh, fuck, man. I don't want to call anybody out because whoever dropped the ball must have been the very people that started it up and had a huge whatever they did. I, I didn't think it was going to go. I was only a kid, but I'm like, no, no one's going to go watch that. And then all of a sudden, I remember being in Long Beach and they had it outdoors and it wasn't affiliated, but I could just tell how many people were catching on to roller hockey. And then I'm looking and I'm seeing these teams sprout up all over a lot of the cities that were in the minors. People making a good paycheck in the summer to go out, play four on four with no hitting. I'm going, well, there, there was actually more hitting than I thought, but still, still, it's summertime roller hockey. What happened to the league? Do you know? I think they just expanded too much. They expanded too much wrong markets. Like Atlanta, we didn't, we didn't draw well. But, you know, we didn't. So I think they went to some markets that, that weren't great markets that they thought were going to. And, didn't, you know, like, like I know when we went to Montreal, there was 9,000 fans in the old forum. It was awesome being in the old forum playing there. You know, we go to Buffalo, there'd be 9,000 fans. It was just some of the markets just, just didn't go. And I think they expanded too much. And then they were, you know, I don't think it stayed on ESPN. It was on ESPN then. And so I think that's kind of what happened. Yeah, you know, like. Yeah, I play a lot of ball hockey and we're trying to really expand the sport and it's going, it's going, you know, uh, there was another successful worlds this year's more and more fans, more and more countries go, but, yep. but this was like immediate all of a sudden, yeah. you know, and there's, you, you got to pay to get in and stuff, but you know, other than Europe, which does get a lot of fans, ball hockey, it's got its pockets, but you know, 17,000 in Vancouver. I watched a, a Colburn, a couple of games online, Anaheim yeah. sold out, sold out. Yep. Like, you know, you're talking NHL numbers immediately. Okay, so you get up to the A, right? You get up to the A. Yeah. Cape Breton, so Edmonton, who I think always had their eye on you. So Edmonton, and I'm guessing Cape Breton Oilers. But you make your way uh, to Wooster. So is that two different contracts or were you loaned out? I got traded from Atlanta for Eve Saru that was in Worcester. So I got traded from there to Worcester, which, you know, you know, everybody's going, you're going to Worcester. I, I had no idea where that was, but it was, it was the best thing that happened to me, but you know, yeah, great you coach was there. Old timer, Jimmy Roberts, probably one of my fa- all time favorite coaches was there and really helped my game, helped me, helped me become a harder player, realize what I was all about. He was a good man. Okay. So you're really, you're coming into your own. So, some unreal years. Wooster was the, the, the meat of that was uh, some of your best numbers. And each year over 200 minutes. So you're a pro hockey player. Are you starting to realize? Cause I mean, two years before you're coming out, you got no options. You go to the coast, you're making $241. Yeah. I'm not trying to insult you. When I say you probably weren't thinking I'm going to play in the NHL. It had yeah. to be in the back of your head. There's an opportunity. I'm a pro hockey player. Why the fuck am I playing? But I'm just saying all of a sudden you find yourself with a window of opportunity. So, the years you won the Calder Cup, I should know this, uh, but I don't. But it was late 90s. So Can I go you... back to the Worcester days? Because you don't even know that I was called up to the St. Louis Blues at one no. point. No, no, no. So tell me about this. How does this yeah, because, You signed with St. Louis then, right? I did. So I was, I think it was my second or third year. In, it might have been my second year in Worcester or third year in Worcester. Mike Keenan's a coach GM of St. Louis. So... Um, you know, I think I was close to leading the team and score and doing what I was doing. You get a phone call from 
or actually Jimmy Roberts, old school, calls me in the office. Verge, get in here. You know, he's old school. I'm like, oh, what's Jimmy want now? And he's like, hey, they want, uh, the Blues want to call you up. They want to sign you and call you up. I'm like, okay, really? I'm like, all excited, all excited. I'm like, okay. And so he said, you're going to play in Maple Leaf Gardens on, let's say it was a Thursday. I can't remember what day it was. It's okay. So my agent calls me. He's like, this isn't a good deal for you. This isn't a good deal. And I'm like, you mean it's not a good deal? Oh, no. Like, no, you shouldn't sign this. You can make a lot more. If you don't sign this, they're not giving you that good a contract. And I actually said it. I said, Freddie, <laughs> no. do you know where I came from? Do you know where I honestly came from? I'm going to play in the NHL on Thursday and make believe <laughs> where I was born. I said, what are, you, what are you thinking? Like, what do you mean I'm not taking this? I'm taking this. I mean, I don't care about money. It's not about money to me. It's like. You know, undrafted, not not a great junior player. I'm becoming a player now. I'm going. You know, he's like, okay, I recommend you not to sign the contract. Go up to, I fly in that night into Ottawa through a snowstorm. Ottawa gets their first win. And back then it was the Corral Center. They called it the Corral Center. They get their first win. Mike Keenan's so pissed off. And I remember this. He's so mad at J.J. Daniel. That's, that's the guy he's mad at. Too. He's like so mad at him. I'm like, oh. So I'm playing in Toronto for sure. I think my uncle's there, my cousin's there. I take warm up. I don't think I wore a bucket either. I made sure my bucket didn't work. Oh, you're loving <laughs> life. I'll never get love of life. Think I'm playing in Toronto. Yeah. I'm in Mike, Mike Keenan. Yeah, you're not playing. I was like, what? I was up in St. Louis for two weeks, never played a game. Really? Never played a game. Never played a game. When he sent me down. I tell this story to people. He made me sit in front of him for about 20 minutes while he read the newspaper and said, yeah, sending you down. Oh, fuck. I've heard some stories. I haven't heard this one. Are you uh, fucking So he was just all about mental dominance. Just about mental dominance. And then I got back down and Jimmy Roberts said, he says you're not in good enough shape, blah, blah, blah. He goes, that's bullshit. Like Jimmy Roberts was friends with him. He goes, that's bullshit. It's Mike Keenan. That's what he does. This, this, and that. <laughs> so next year we go to training camp. I'm in the elevator with Jamie Rivers, and uh, we're riding the elevator, and Mike Keenan gets on, and he just shakes my hand, and I don't shake a hand like I'm not don't squeeze his hand hard enough. And he looks at me, he goes, "You better throw him a lot harder than you shake hands at camp." And I just okay. he gets out of the elevator. I look at Rotate. I said, "I guess I guess I know what I have to do for at training camp tomorrow." Oh Jesus Christ! So how did that go? Well, I, I, I think I fought Stefan Matteau in, in camp, and then I played exhibition games, and I fought that big Cote from Dallas. Remember the guy that was in Dallas? Was it? Was oh, it, yeah. Yeah, it did pretty good against him, and but still get sent down to the minors, so didn't help. So what was to be never was in St. Louis? In St. Louis, yeah. Well, yeah. Did you? That was my first experience, and that's kind of one of those things that I was doing it because of where I came from. That's kind of where it goes back to the to the Roanoke thing where I came from. I would have so done exactly far. what you did. Yeah, it's like you're getting your opportunity to play in Maple Leaf Cards where, you know, I went and saw the, you know, when I was four or five, went and saw the Marlies play. And, you know, you know I mean, you're, 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 you're just over half a decade removed from $241 a week. Yeah, yeah, that's right. right. We're thinking yeah. I'm going to go back and go to university, yeah. whatever it is. So, I mean, come on. Okay, so now, do do you get traded or do the Bruins, does your contract come to a close and you sign with the Bruins? Because 98, 99, you're in problems. Well, so that's a good story, too, because it kind of goes with Mike Keenan. And Mike Keenan did me a favor, but after I did, I was there for another year 
in Worcester, but then my contract came up. And so they thought, okay, he can play as a forward maybe in the NHL. So Mike Keenan signs me a two-year contract at $105,000 a year for two years, which was good money back then. Like it was like one of the top dollar. I'm like, this is great. Mike Keenan gets fired that summer. He he gets fired that summer after he signed me. So it's kind of when he, he signed me, gets fired. New a new regime comes in. Larry Plo, love the guy. John Ferguson Jr., great guys. Just Joel Quinville, they all came in. But so I wasn't one of their guys to start. And uh, so I played the year, played half the year forward. And then and, and it was funny. Go back to the story again with Jimmy Roberts. And I was playing forward at training camp. I think I fought. I think I fought Cote again that year. Fought, you know, I ran over Guy Carbono. I do remember run over Guy Carbono and then see someone Cote jumped me and it was like, of okay. Course. So it's always then, a tough position to be in, though, right? You're yeah, so, you got to so give it your own. Certain guys you're not supposed yeah. to hit. So what happens is I play the first 30 games as a forward, but I'm not doing what I should be doing. I'm thinking I got to score goals, be a goal scorer as a forward, you know, getting a little older and probably not fighting as much. So doesn't pan out. I'm not playing D the last half of the year. And then they buy me out. And they offer the, the, the buyout. They go, we're, if you don't take the buyout, you know, they offered me 35,000. I'm supposed to make 105. We're going to send you to Manitoba in the eye, which wouldn't have been the worst thing. But then you're thinking, you know, you're going, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in Worcester or wherever in the States, the taxes are less. It's not, 40 below. I want to stay in the American league. I'm not, I, you know, like I haven't gave up on my NHL dream yet. So, you know, you knew back there, the IHL, you know, you weren't, you know, it's kind of given up. So I came down and said, okay, I'll take the bio. But while it was, that was going on, Peter Laviolette was calling me. No, no one kind of what was going on saying, you know, would you come play for, for us in Providence? And then yeah, I said, well, and he goes, what if I get you close to what you're going to make anyway? So they came up to 65. So I made a hundred thousand dollars that year with the buyout with 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 the Providence. And then uh yeah, so so then by the time I got the, you know, then the time I got to play in the NHL for a couple of weeks was uh, you know, I made made the money up. So Yeah, well, you made the money up, but at this point, so at at, at this point, you've played how many NHL exhibition games? Half a dozen probably. Okay. And so you've got your feet wet. You're ready to go. Take us through the next process then. So how does all this happen? How do you get up to the NHL eventually? And I got to hear, I don't, I can't remember where it was, but one of these years you fought Probert, right? Yeah. So, okay. So the whole story was. Get all this together for me because Hockey DB doesn't do it. And you told me, and I know, I just don't know the order. Yeah. Well, I got to make this quick. You, you told me, you don't want to be too long. Uh, you know what? I don't give a fuck. You're here to you want it to be. Is this, so I signed with the Bruins late, late in training, like late, let's say first of August, sign late. Peter Laviolette's a big, you know, big spokesman for me because I played against him. It was his first year coaching in Providence. He told everybody that I'd fight anybody, do whatever I want. You know, do, you know, I'm a big teammate. He just from playing against me, he knew some, some of the same people. So I went to camp. You know, they were kind of expecting me to fight. The one time I was going to fight Rob DeMaio, and he just had his nose operated on, so he didn't want to fight me. I get back to Vince Ray Bork. We had the one of the agent. underrated tough guys ever. Keep going. Yeah, so, so we had the same agent, and and uh, Ray goes, 
Hey, Birch, I know that you're, that's kind of part of your game, but not Robbie, just had his nose operated on. I'm looking and go, well, maybe you shouldn't mouth me off then, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> so, so I get to training. So I go through training camp. Now we're in exhibition season. And uh, we actually play in Montreal. And and for some reason, you know, it's Pat Burns, you know. I'm sure you want to win in Montreal no matter what it's exhibition. So there's a couple of young defensemen. It was Maddie Commander and Abrahamson. They they weren't playing well, very well. So we're basically playing 4D in exhibition season for the last half of the game. Like that just doesn't happen. So after the game, I kind of tell the story. I'm I'm you know I'm talking to Robbie Tallis. I go, Robbie, I don't even I I just played about 30 minutes a game. I don't I don't even think Pat Burns knows my name. I, I go I don't even think he knows who I am. Like what's my name? So the next night we go into Chicago. We fly from Montreal to Chicago and. Uh, Playing the game and and how Gil's my partner, so and how Gil goes off like I'd say 30, 40 seconds into the shift he goes off and I'm out there for the last 10, 15 seconds. Well, how Gil's about six foot seven for those. Yeah, six know. foot seven, my partner. But but like the whistle goes and I get into a pushing match like in front of the the net. It was with Ryan Vandenbush. Uh, is it Dave no. Jansen? Not it's Mark Dave, Jansen's. Mark Jansen yeah. and Bob Probert in front of the net. So, you know, the skirmish goes off. I skate to the bench, and you got Pat Burns comes running down the bench. No, 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 you stay on, you stay on. His French accent, you stay on. And I'm like, so I get out, get out to the face off, and I look and I see, I see Ryan Vandenbush over on the far side, and he's. Oh, yeah. He's tough with the nails too. One of the hardest punches I've left. ever taken in my life. Yeah, yeah big a... lefty. I'm like, I've seen him fight, and this who, and then I knew Jansen's was tough, and I'm lined up with Bob Probert. I'm like, hmm. Yeah. So I went in the corner. It was one of those. Went in the corner. Well, if you if if you got to fight fight a tough guy, they're all probably going to beat you up. So you might as well fight the heavyweight. So that's how that's how it happened. Went in there and and I had a hold of him, and I probably could have suckered him. Like I had my gloves off, had him there, and I probably could have suckered him, and. uh, and I guess it was a thing because Baumgartner, Baumgartner told me afterwards, like he goes, "This is what he would do. Like you would, you would have a hold of him, and then he'd pretend he's not going to fight you. And then when the referees come in, you loosen up." And I didn't loosen up. I was like, "No way! I was loosening up on this guy." Yeah. <laughs> so, so I hung that. on. So he kind of just, "Do you want to go, kid?" And and that's how and that's how it happened. Everybody goes, "Why didn't you suck him?" And go, "Because yeah. I think you and I talked about it, Tr, before. If I got the better of him." better room no or time. anything like that i was coming out of the boxing and have to fight him again i was like there's no way i was doing that so no, you got no. the story you survived you got the fucking yep. t-shirt to to tell the story and that's good move so on so when i got back so when i got back to the bench your pat burns came in the restaurant he goes great job terry you knew my name then you knew my name terry that's what it took hey did <laughs> proby land any on you well, he landed a couple, but it you know probably side didn't you know didn't hurt. It looks worse than it was, but it was one of those things. And I still say to the day that's why I got my opportunity to play with the Bruins because Pat Burns really liked me. Like after that, he really liked me. Knew that I would you know stick up for the you guys. See, say what you want, but it got you. It got you an opportunity. Yeah, I say that to people. I'm like you know, and, and then I, I think like the next, and then I think the next day, next game, I fought Scott, Scott Mellonby. So it was one of you know. So it was a whole. You know the exhibition season, like you know, I fought Scott Mellonby, and then he didn't get the better of me. So he went, and we played him the next night. He wanted to fight me again. I was like, no, I'm not fighting again. You get, it's, you only get one shot at me. If you can't knock me out the first time, you're not, you don't get another second chance. The uh, it's my last shift. I had, I had the same kind of dilemma you did. It was Probert Jansen's, who's way on. Like Jansen's is sneaky tough, 
and Cam Russell. And um, anyway, Cam Russell looked over. He said, hey, Ryan, does your coach know you're out here? And I figured, why not? But I, I nearly, I don't know, man. I didn't want to fight Probert, but you're out there in that situation. I often say to people, I'm like, I don't know, man. You ended up being a skirmish down in the corner. And you just, you know, you just go and you just psych yourself up. And it's not like you did that morning. You're ordering breakfast and you say, you know what? I think I'd like to fight Bob Probert or Cam Russell tonight. It just happens. And I'm telling you, you, you know, as I do, Ryan Vandenbush, that name is starting to be forgotten as, as the game moves further and further away from fighting. But he had as scary a left hand as anybody that I know. Oh, like, yeah. It was oh, a yeah. hammer. Like, like I was in Cape Breton, I think, and he was in St. John's at the time. Yeah, St. John's. Like, he was, you know, fighting. Yeah, I'm just like, wow. He's not a big guy, but he was, you know, he was tougher than nails. So, no. But it was one of those things. You never go into a game thinking. And I was never a guy. There was maybe one time that I that I went into a game thinking I might get into a fight because we only had one tough guy on our team, and we were playing the the Portland Pirates, and they had Kerry Clark. Killer Kaminsky, Darren Banks. Uh, oh, yeah. There was somebody, and Ryan Curran, and our tough guy wasn't playing, so I was the only other guy in Worcester, and, and our and our backup goalie, Wayne Cowley, came up and he goes, Virch, who are you fighting tonight? Who, who are you going to start with tonight? And I'm like, what? <laughs> he goes, Mel's not playing, so it has to be you. So I got to go fight that night with Witherden. Was it Mel, Mel Angelstad? No, it was uh, Rob Melanson. Another Maritimer. He's from he's from the Cape Breton area. Yeah. I don't know Rob. His his brother was Dean Melanson. Remember Dean Melanson? I do remember Rob. Dean Melanson, yeah. But Rob was was tougher, tough. Like, I mean, Dean was pretty tough too, but I think Rob was probably the tougher brother. Wasn't as good a player. Each but, team yeah. had three or four that all oh, yeah. would be like the toughest player yeah. in the minors right now. Um, yeah. oh, I'm not yeah. trying to disrespect. I'm sure guys are out there, man. That doesn't go away. Yeah. And there's still fighting involved. I say move away from we're moving away from fighting. A, a, a fan of the podcast pointed this out this summer. He said, you know, I just started. He goes, I only got into hockey through. He listens from Australia. He goes, yeah. it's starting to pop up over here. I like the show Shorzy. And he said, I'm looking at you guys. I'll talk about fighting being almost out of the game. There was like 312 last year, right? Like, oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Like for any, for any other sport, it, it's really not. There's a lot, yeah. in, you know, like there's still yeah. you're allowed to drop your gloves. You're allowed to fight. I just don't think there's as tough players per capita because, you know, you don't have to do it as much. You were fighting, like you said, in Habima. I was 14, 15, playing junior A, finding out how do I, you know, what do I want to do here? I want to fight that guy because if not, he's going to own me all year. My teammates are going to love it. Why not? You know, you're navigating your way through that, and it's all beer-knuckle brawling, right? Yeah. Well, I think nowadays, too, I think they, I, I think it's all – it's all set up fighting too. It's not from the emotion. I think, I think we yeah. used to fight just on the emotions of the, of the game. It was part of, you know, the emotions getting high in the game. Now I think these guys set it up on Instagram or whatever they do, but it's it doesn't not, feel as authentic. Yeah. It's not as authentic. Like I don't, you know, uh, there was guys I, I, I fought and went and had a beer with them after the game. Cause it was, you know, just that would happen a lot. Yeah. And it was never the moment. Yes. Yeah, the moment. You're just like, you're going to go have a beer. There's a lot of guys that I didn't like that would mouth off and I would tell them not to come to the bar or I'd kick the shit out of them at the bar. I did do that a lot. It was definitely part of the, uh, and, and not only that, even the, the bar was part of the scene. It was well, a bar culture afterwards. You know, everybody went for a beer or two. If I went three games in a row, I won't say every single time. This is what you got to do because people had shit to do. But especially if we're on the road, then it would be a question. And twice in a row, what's going on, T-Bone? Three times in a row, 
okay, we got to talk to this guy. You got to come out for at least one. We're going out for a steak here and we're going to have a beer or two. You know, you'd have to answer to somebody. And now it seems to me when I talk to the people that are playing, it's a little bit different. It's you almost plan for the specific nights you are going to go out as a team. So I was going to ask you the story. The year we played you guys in the semifinals when you're in, in Freddie Beach, where you, where you had to be at Sweetwaters when we were up three nothing in the series. Yeah, we're up three nothing. Your team, your team was there. We didn't play for front. You know, the next night we played two nights later. Yeah, both teams there. Mike Ribeiro, remember he was called up. I do remember that. Ribeiro was called up. Slashed Bobby Beers, broke his finger. Yeah. So Bobby Beers goes to the hospital, shows up at Sweetwaters. He sees Ribeiro and he's so he grabs him by the throat and puts him over the bar, and he's ready to punch him out. And Moose came, Moose Morissette, Elaine came in, Nazardy and all that came in and stopped them. And then they all come to me and give me shit like, Bert's like, what's going on? Because they know me. They don't know Bob Beers. They know from playing against me. They know that. And, like, yeah. Bert, what's going on? I said, what happened? They had no idea. And so, Ribeiro had blonde hair, streaked like platinum blonde yeah, hair. He just got back two earrings in. Two earrings in, like he didn't, he was the cockiest fucking yeah. kid that I've ever seen come onto a pro team. It was like, move out of the way. I remember coming up from junior being so nervous, you know, like yeah. I got called up to the A yeah. when I was 18. So, so then you got to understand Bob Beers, where he was coming from. Oh, so, yeah. So he was actually doing the radio for the Bruins, but helping us out because when I was up and Brandon Smith were up with the Bruins, we had no D. So Beersy would, on a day off, would come down and go play for Providence Bruins just to help out. And then all of a sudden it was like, now, oh, now, now Ribeiro is just a young kid skating around slashing guys. So he's like, I wasn't going to have him. We, yeah, we, we, we talk about that story all the time. Me and Beersley goes, oh yeah, I'm pinned right over. He was a good guy laugh. in his own right. But, but uh, like Ribeiro in, in that, I don't know, he was almost naive, but, you know, he was nice to me, but I, I was like, man, you're going to get fucking yeah. your head clocked if you keep this up as a rookie. Hockey fans, it's finally time to hit the ice again. And thanks to DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, you're in for the season of a lifetime. New customers can bet $5 on any team and get $200 in free bets if they win. Do you think that Shesterkin's the favorite to win the Vesna? I don't know. I like the plus 500 on Andre Vasilevsky. There's also a Battle of Alberta coming up next weekend. How many points does Connor McDavid end up with? Who gets the win? What's the final score? These are all things you can bet on at DraftKings Sportsbook. If that wasn't enough excitement, you can turn small bets into bigger payouts with same-game parlays. Combine multiple bets like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more for your shot at an even bigger payout. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN, bet $5 on any NHL team to win their game, and get $200 in free bets if they do. That's code THPN, as in the Hockey Podcast Network, at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Okay, Virch, um, you know what? I'm, I'm thinking I got to have you on twice. I got some more questions for you, but I mean... <laughs> You, you, all this happens. So you get what I'm saying is that we're not even like halfway through your career. You get up with the Rangers. What happened there? You get traded to, or, or I'm guessing you sign with New York. You're playing in Hartford, uh, putting up some decent numbers. They know you all to pieces. You get called up to the Rangers. What was the circumstance there? Was it the beginning of the year, the end of the year? What? It was at Thanksgiving. Brian Leach, uh, 
broke his broke his wrist. So broke his wrist. Got broke, you know. I was having all the boys over for Thanksgiving the next day and uh, got the call. So they so I flew into Florida, played the game there, got our asses handed to us. So yeah, and then went and home after the game. Years. What's that? Got went back after the game. No, we didn't go back after the game. Uh, I, I, I don't know if you know stories about Adam Grave, but he's probably one of the best guys that you can have. So we were staying overnight in Fort Lauderdale. I think it was on the Friday night, day after Thanksgiving. Guys had limos all set up to go downtown Miami and all these other things. And and Alexander Degg was there. And good guy. I don't know if you've ever met him, but but yep. uh, but but he was in Hartford with us. At the well, only once. I, I I don't know if he'd remember yeah. me, but no, I, but, I, so I he know actually, he was a good fellow. He actually kind of took me under his wing the whole time, which was nice. was good. So, uh, so Adam Graves has a big meeting after after the game, after the game, like you know, saying this is bullshit. We lost the Florida Panther. They weren't very good at the time, and all this. And you know, I know you guys got all the limos. We're not going nowhere. Nobody's going going to Miami. We're all hanging out as a team. We're all going to meet here, blah, blah, blah. And it's all on me. So <laughs> I went to a nice restaurant, nice restaurant bar, hung out, had dinner, drinks. It was all on Adam Graves because he wanted to make sure the guys were all together that night. And he said, we're not, we're not getting separated. Then. So, so that was kind of a good story there. And then, so of all, yeah. Of all the nights you could have gone up, one of the memorable nights that season. Yeah, but but it was still so it was still a good it was a good experience because because it was Adam Graves being a good captain like making yeah. sure you're 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 looked after like everybody's together we need to build this as a team because we're not very good right now so it was it was a good experience. Yeah. So then, but are you? So how many years were you signed, or did you just keep going Three back years. to Hartford? Three years. So I actually blew my knee out in the finals the year before in Providence, and this this was another good story. I blew my knee out in game three against Rochester in the finals. Okay. ACL tear, and I find out. So we went in Providence. I find out the day of the parade, we're having a parade. The Marciance was a big mobbed up guy. He shut the whole city of Providence down. Said no, we're having a parade for these guys. Okay. So I find out right before the parade, I blew my knee out ACL, knowing that I put up great numbers. You know, second team All Star, up for a contract. Fuck yeah, and you guys won it, right? Yeah, so just like, one. That the was club. the year you won it. I mean, I know. Yeah. Okay, I didn't know if you were crossing over. Yeah, so so the Rangers signed me to to a three year contract. You know, making one hundred fifty thousand dollars a year, which great money then one of the highest paid you know probably okay. you know so they signed so so we agreed to it july 1st agent calls me goes yeah they want you to fly to new york tomorrow so on the second they, they want to fly to new york before we finalize everything just uh for a normal checkup see how your shoulders are so, you know just make sure you're health you know healthy i knew what many was so show up the, i fly in in the morning in, into new york from pittsburgh fly in there go to the doctor doctor first thing he does What's with your knee? I'm like, well, I don't know, you know. <laughs> not being completely honest with him. I'm not sure, you know. I'm getting it, you know, cleaned up, you know, the meniscus cleaned up, so and so that's that's it, you know, this, that. He does a couple things on my knee, he looks at me because you don't have an ACL. I'm like, What? Like, what are you well, talking about? <laughs> come on. <laughs> Well, it's news to me. <laughs> so, so now I got a cab going back to the airport, flying back to back to Pittsburgh that day. My agent calls me goes, "I just took the deal off the table." I'm like, "What? You shit me now?" I'm thinking like three years security, hundred fifty thousand, don't have to work. 
So I'm pretty upset. So I'm on the airplane. It's in about an hour and 15 minute flight to Pittsburgh. Get off the flight, get in my car, call my agent. Is there any way that if I play a certain amount of game or, or some, he said, they'll give you a one year deal. That's what it was. They'll give you one year. I said, well, what if I play a certain amount of games? I said, you know, well, they make it a three year deal. This, this, that. He goes, well, let me call him. So he calls me back and he's like, uh, he's like, yeah, they, yeah. They said, oh, they said, no problem. They said, uh, they said, if you play 25 games, 25, I thought you were going to say 55, but no, this is a kicker. So I'm like 25 games in a row. And he goes, no, just 25 games. I said, I'm going to Hartford. I said, you're from Hartford, right? My, my agent was based out of Boston, but his family, it, it, it was Mark Lachance. I don't know if you know Scott Lachance. Bob yeah, Lachance. I heard that name. Yeah. So he's my agent, but he's working with, with Ray Bork's agent, Steve Fryer. And I go, Mark, Hartford, you're from Hartford. You got to have a, you know, a doctor that can shoot up my knee if I really need it, don't you? <laughs> he's like, no problem. So, but, but I play the first 25. <laughs> so, I, so I play the first 24 games. I don't start game 25. You know, back then you had to play a shift before. Yeah, yeah, totally. I, I, yeah, like if you didn't play a shift, show, yeah. No, if you didn't play a shift, you didn't get think. So yeah. it wasn't even a game played. So game 24, offside right in front of our bench. I go out, start the puck drops, and you got guys like Derek Armstrong, Brad Smith, Jason Daw, and all these guys. They all stand up and start whacking their stick on the board. That a boy Verge, that a boy Verge, that a boy Verge. Three years, three years, because they all knew everybody knew. Holy that. fuck. Yeah, so I'm getting the three years 25. out. 25. I can't believe they came up with that number, dude. I would have thought. Yeah. I yeah. thought you were going to say like 75 or 55 minimum. Yeah, so I played whatever it was. I think I missed a couple games because my grandfather's funeral, but it was, uh, yeah, that was it. And then, uh, yeah, so. And I mean, it's I hard to sum up the rest of it. For four years. So. Yeah, and then you go to, I mean, just because of time, but so you end up pretty much where you play another five or six years to the end of 06, 07, with a little bit of time in the Coast and Central League. I'm guessing you were on a, you know, you knew that going in. By this time, you're in your mid to late 30s. You're still playing. So those stints in the coast, were you like a uh, player assistant type thing? Yeah, that's what I was trying to do. I was trying to get into the coaching, trying to become player coach. That's what I really wanted to do, get involved in coaching. It's just always, you know, always just, just, just wanted to do that. So that's how I was doing, trying to find the right opportunity. You know, I was in Wheeling at one point. And then, uh, you know, they, they actually promised that they were going to give me the head coaching job. And then... I got an offer from Grand Rapids and for the last 10 games to go there for a good amount of dollars for 10 games. They called me and said, you know, there's a lot of teams in the American League and that were saying, you know, do you want to come play for us? And I'm like, no, no, no. Because I was supposed to be, I was supposed to only come into Wheeling to be player coach for, for a year. They bring, bring in Glenn Patrick. Uh, Craig Patrick was a GM and Glenn's a great guy, unbelievable guy. One of the nicest guys you'll see. They didn't really tell him the story. So they were supposed to bring me into Wheeling for a year, teach me the business side play. But of course, you know, I was still playing at a high level. This is when I played with Biz. So Biz came on the team like for a while and he was coached them there. So, so all these teams were calling. Philadelphia was calling. Wilkes-Barre was calling. I'm like, no, no, no. So it came down to the last 10 games. Grand Rapids calls me and goes, uh, yeah, we just lost Richie, Travis Richards. Lost him. Can't play anymore. We're in first place. You know, we know who you are. We think you're going to help us win. 
this, this, and that, and money's no object. And my eyes kind of like, what? What do you mean money's no object? So they offered me like $30,000 for the last 10 games to go play, which quite a bit of money. So I took the owners of the Wheeling Nailers out and out for lunch. So they took me, I got them and set up lunch said, Hey, you guys promised me something, this, this, and that, uh, you know, if it's going to be, I won't go, I'll stay here. And they said, no, 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 we didn't promise that. I said, well, you did. This is Thursday. I will play Friday, Saturday, Sunday by Sunday at six o'clock. I need to know what's going on because Grand Rapids needs an answer. Didn't hear from him for three days. Called Grand Rapids and said, I'll be there tomorrow morning. So the Wheeling Nailers owners called me the next night or something and said, oh, yeah, we'll do that. You know, yeah, we'll honor what you did. And I just kind of said, it's too late. I'm already in Grand Rapids. When I say my word to somebody, that's my word. And so that's how I ended up doing that. And then the next year, you know, I went to the Central League just because there's a guy named Bill McDonald. Great guy. Great guy. But the ownership in, the, in that league, I don't know. You spent some time there, didn't you? I was in the West Coast League and we crossed over. I played same league, same league, and you know the owners were all like cowboys and knew thought they knew what they were doing. Yeah, yeah, it was it was entertaining to say the least. Yeah, so he fires, so he fires our coach after we've had we we've got a point in thirteen straight games. Fires our coach the day after the Super Bowl, and uh, you know, so he's going. uh, so he fires our coach and I, and, 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 and I'm hung over leaving my hotel or not my hotel, my apartment. Cause I got a call from the owner. We're supposed to go on the road that day, driving out of the apartment complex. The coach, Bill just got drive by me and I see him. I go, Bill, what's going on? He goes, I just got fired. I said, who's the head coach? Who's coaching? He goes, well, you must be, you're going to coach. And I'm like, I'm not coaching. I'm not, coaching. I'm, not, I'm not coaching for you. I'm not coaching for this guy. So I get down there. I just want to make sure I wasn't wasn't going to quit. This guy by the name of Brent Hughes they were hiring, and he was half nuts, crazy guy. Like I, think I he, heard, he, I heard he, that he, name. He, he, he played for for the Winnipeg Jets, I think, for a little bit, and, and maybe a little bit. I don't know if he's the guy that played for the Bruins, but it was one of those. You go in there and you're just like, what? No. So. I actually just looked around, actually talked to the uh, league president at the time, and he's a well-known guy nowadays. I just won't mention his name. He can do anybody can do research on him. He kind of said, "Yeah, the ownership there is not good." So he goes, "Virtue is all your connection to try to get out of there." And I actually made phone calls, like he said, "Get out of there. They won't pay your health insurance and this and that." And he just said he's just one of the owners that just aren't good owners there. So. So he gave me the heads up, which was awesome because I knew him, knew him for a while. Uh, so actually, just the Binghamton Senators called me. Uh, you know, the assistant coach was Mike Buzak or uh, Buzniak, and he uh, and he actually just just they were looking for a veteran guy. They weren't going to make the playoffs. It was it was Ottawa's farm team, and they said we want to bring a veteran presence just to show the guys how to be pros. And Dave Cameron was the was the coach, and they brought me in coach for the last twenty five thirty games, which was which was good. So you know, so it was good. And then I'm like, okay, I'm done. So I was there, and I found out uh, that Tri Cities was basically their assistant coach. I think I was on the bus coming back my last game with Binghamton and and Tri-Cities lost their assistant coach. They needed a new assistant coach. So I called Stu Barnes. That's Stu and Ole on on the team. You know that. Stu Ole and Bob Torb. Called Stu and said, Stu, I heard you guys have an opening for your, for your assistant coaching job. I I said, I think I want to do it. So, so again, that happened. Yeah. So, and you were a successful coach. You're just not interested anymore. Uh, you know what? You got to be into moving all over the place every few years. 
there was a couple things that happened where where I got passed up on jobs, you know, like Tri Cities. I probably wasn't ready when and you know when Bob Bob was good to me, but I, you know, like after two years, Donnie Nackbauer left, and we had the most two successful years Tri Cities ever did to get had had before together. Uh, I probably wasn't ready at that time, but I took that probably to heart that I didn't, you know, so took that to heart a little bit. And so wanted to get back out East. My, my wife then wanted to get back out, out, out East then. And it was kind of one of those things. Okay. Uh, my, my cousin calls me up says, Hey, I, I, I don't know who was supposed to be. We wouldn't know the name and he was an ex leaf was supposed to coach. Dale DeGray was the, uh, was the GM. He was supposed to coach, but he, backed out or he took a job in the American League. So there was an opening right at the last minute in, you know, in August, let's say August in, in Home Sound. So the ownership group is a lady that owns Tim Hortons, these doctors, the McDermott brothers, you know, Paul McDermott that played for the Winnipeg Jets for a long time. Yeah, okay. And and this guy from from my mom's hometown, this little farm town. And my cousin saw him at the dentist's office. They said, yeah, we got an open. She was really, so they called me and I just called and Dale Gray was like, you know, we were we were just in the finals in the, in the Western Hockey League the year before with you know I mean Jim Heller, great guy. I, I was so happy to get to coach with him. It was an unbelievable experience. We go to the Western League finals. We lost to Calgary. I think I think they might have won the Memorial Cup. So went to Own Sound. And it was one of those things that Dale Berry said, "You really want to come here?" And I go, "Yeah." Like my my mom actually just moved back there a couple of years ago. My grandmother's in an old folks home. I'm, I'm going to live two doors down from my grand my mom. You know, oh, live right beside my uncle and aunt. So it was kind of a a good fit for me. And it was, you know, close enough. You know, it was out east and it was a great year. Like we ended up having a great year. We didn't win the Memorial Cup, though. I have to correct you on that. We won the, the Ontario League Championship. The Ontario then. League. Okay. But we probably had the best team in the Memorial Cup, but we lost our top scorer in the first game. I remember it happening. I thought you did. I usually just go off the top of my head, and usually I'm right. And you told that story. You're right. It was the OHL. But now yeah. I, I remember talking about that with you in Nashville over about 36 beers that morning. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what a spot. What a spot. Yeah. Um, okay. I've kept you long enough, but I got one little segment left. Shouldn't last more than 10 or 15 minutes. It's called Rapid Fire Randoms. Are you ready, Terry Virtue? I'll try. Sandman warned me about this. You should prepare us for that. We're not that smart. Okay. Or, well, or we're not that quick. We're smart. I don't know if smart, smarts is a necessity. You tell me. Here we go. Rapid fire randoms. Would you go to space if given the opportunity? No. Okay. You're on, uh, you're on a plane. The lady next to you is really ignorant. She's snoring when she sleeps. She fucking takes the last meal. There's one meal left. She takes it. They lose your luggage. You piss yourself. You gotta, you, you're waiting in line so long. You piss yourself. You're having a shitty day. Okay, finally, finally you get home. You found out your place has been broken into. And some guy, you see some guy and you just fucking lop his head off. You got an ax and you lop his head off. You find out he was coming to help the situation. So now... You're guilty of murder and you're on death row. What do you have for your last meal? I could have just said, farm. what do you have for your chicken death farm. row meal? But I, wanted to, I wanted to associate you with a, with a crime. Hey, the hockey player special, chicken parm. Chicken parm and, and pasta with tomato sauce, marinara sauce. 
You know what I'm thinking right now? Because it's because I've been really in the mood. Mussels, mussels in uh, in garlic and garlic and butter. Two things I absolutely love. I've if I had to answer that question, both of those uh, particular food items would be near. They'd both be in my top ten. Uh, what would your superpower be if you could pick one? Uh, X-ray eyes. Would you eat my severed toe? Well done. Eat what? Medium would you eat my severed severed? Wait, the question's done. Would you eat my severed toe? Yeah. To find you had to cook it to find out what really happened to JFK. You'd be the only one outside someone in the government or the government agencies that would know. Yeah. Would you rather tour with ACDC or act with Robert De Niro? Tour with ACDC. How old were you when you snapped your first bra? Snap my what? Your bra. You 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 undid your first bra. You felt a woman's breasts. Thirteen. Okay, so for there's thirty one point six million dollars on the line. Okay, this is what you get if you pull this off. All you have to do to get thirty one point six million dollars is walk into the annual GM NHL meetings in Florida. I think you got to have a diaper on and a bonnet, and say you want someone to change your dirty diaper, smiling with lube in a hand in your hand and a heart on. Would you do that? For $31.6 million. There's no doubt I would do that. Oh, boy, can you there's imagine? Gotta G, there's got to be some GMs that I still don't like. There's a lot that I like now that are... And you, what, right. would you just blame it on you just lost your mind one day? You were on acid? I would, then, blame it on, I would blame it on on hockey that drove me to that. <laughs> you'd flip <laughs> it around. Yeah, flip it around. I love like, that. I mean, and then like, you'd end up, you know what? You'd get sympathy. Yes, I would. It might be somebody that would do it for for me. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Okay. You got uh, Sandman, Terry Degner, and Mark Wolf. You got to take one of these guys to Mars and back. There's only a two-man ship, right? You got enough food and everything. Let's just say that you're astronauts. This thing's on autopilot. You have to go there. You have to get samples out of the ground for scientists here. You have to bring them back. You're in a just a two-man ship. So and it takes about three months each way. So, who would you want that to be with? Sandman, man. Sandman for sure. We would laugh our asses off for probably the majority of it. He would be an all right guy. You know, I've traveled with him when it comes to playing hockey, and that's kind of not the same because there's so many other people on the bus. But I think he would be a solid bet. Funny enough, and I'm not gay, but he's good looking. You know, he's a happy guy, he's got a good vibe about him, he's not depressed. He takes yeah, and he's care educated. of himself. And he's educated. He's so, educated. So he, can, so he can actually tell you about what's going on in the world. He can talk right. about, about, his, about his nerd thing because he did say he watches a lot of National Geographic. So. Yeah, he's a nerd in a good way. Yeah. He gave me the dunes. I was talking about books, and I was like, yeah, like whatever I gave him, it was, I think, called Sapiens. It was like a history of human interaction and, and everything that goes along with that. And he gave me the Dune series. And if you're into Dune, you're into Dune. I'm not, but I'm going to be. I just started. I know the movies, but I'm going to read this first. But I, I was surprised he jumped right to that. And on the way out, I was at his place and he had the Star Wars collection. I think I do. I think he's a little bit of a nerd in that way as well. The Geek Fest 
um, what's it called, Comic Conway, and yeah. not that there's anything wrong with that, of course. That's probably his next trip. He's gonna want us to go on on his fifty first. By dude, I would love to fucking go to Comic Con. <laughs> Can you imagine how much fucking fun that would be? <laughs> there's a bar close by, right? There got to be yeah. Uh, yeah. wherever it's held. Head coach in any other sport, which one would it be? Lacrosse. I was a better lacrosse player than I was hockey. Wow, that's in pockets of Canada too. I wouldn't know whether what to do with a lacrosse stick, racket. What do you call it if it fucking hit me across the head? We don't really? have it here in Newfoundland. Is that, no. is that an Edmonton thing? Edmonton thing. Thing. My stepdad said I should just play lacrosse. I was better better when I was a kid. Wow, I really am into it. I wish I wish I could, and I paid to see. What's the team in Toronto? I went to see it, and there was a. The Rock kids that used to rock? play in the Western. Yeah, the Rock gets rock. fucking sold out, man. It was crazy. Well, well, when you go to Rochester, you go to Rochester to play the Americans. They would they would play the night before on a Friday night. That that holiday was it. The holiday in the state in Rochester, it would be packed full of fans from from Toronto. Yeah, was, like a lot of fans because, because it's almost like the senior hockey. They 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 fly these lacrosse players in for the weekends and play the games. It is wild. I wish it caught on. I'm really intrigued by the sport. I watch it more and more, but I didn't get a chance to play, and it's hard to know exactly what's going on when you don't watch a lot. Okay. A song. Every time you ride elevators or cross the street for the rest of your life, a song plays in the background, right? So you get on there. Everybody in the elevator is subject. It's a song that could be ACDC, You Shook Me All Night Long. It could be Enya. It could be the soundtrack to Indiana Jones. It could be any song. But every single time you cross the street or get in an elevator, which doesn't sound like a lot, but it accumulates, there's a song playing. What would it be? I'd be bad. I'm bad at that. I'm bad at thinking what songs are, but uh, people are good. I'm like, I'm a big, like I'm a big country fan, right? So big country fan. Uh, You know know what it was when I was young? Fishing in the Dark. By the Nitty Gritty Dirt Band. That's as good a pick as any. And it's, uh, yeah, I like and it. If it comes on the, and if it comes on the satellite radio, I make sure I turn it up all the time. A little right bit now. of light country rock, yeah. I'm sure that was played at some point on the way to a game in Tri-Cities back when you were a teenager. Yeah. Pick an NHLer, okay? He's got to make eight of ten free throws. Yeah, that there's... million on the line for you if you get it right. And if you get it wrong, you have to chop off one of your pinky toes. So there's a lot on the line here. So I'm going to go Ray Bork because in the all-star game, he he did four for four, you know, four for four in the the target shoot when he was in there. And he's, and he's, and and he's a first class guy. So you're going to equate target shooting with free throws in basketball. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. I just wanted to make sure you understood the question. Your DJ name. So for the rest of your life, you're a DJ. You got offered. Someone just calls and says, Stuttering Terry. Hey, Virch, stuttering. Okay. (laughs) You're going to go right there. So these were my options. These these were my options, but I like stuttering. I was going to give you DJ Greybeard, Old Man Mork, Bunk, or yeah, Bunk Bed. Or Viagra Virch, but I like stuttering Terry more than anything. No, it has to be something that about you, right? And I'm, I'm not that great yet. Did you always stutter? Always stuttered. That was one of the big things when I grew up. I was I was a lot worse than I was, ever was now. So I'm, I imagine grade school you got bugged. Maybe that's why you fought a lot. And your chirp. I don't know a lot of guys with stutters that chirp and are so confident. That must have pissed a lot of bullies off. That's why you fought. 
Well, maybe a little bit. It was part of the things. Yeah. When I was a kid, I fought a lot because of that, but, but, but I had to get, get over it. And I actually did a better job in front of cameras and in front of people than if I was just around my buddies. So. Interesting. Um, okay. You got to pick one of these names. Okay. This is your album name. Terry Virtue at home on the range. Terry Virtue, the reckoning. Terry Virtue, big city stories. Or Terry Virtue, cock, and cock, but there's a chicken or a rooster. What does a cock, cock, cockadoodle do? What's that? Is that a, I guess it must be a, a rooster. rooster or a chicken. Okay, so you got a picture of a rooster and just Terry Virtue, cock. At home on the range can be something nice and cinematic, the reckoning or big city stories. Home on the range. Home on the range. Do you have a cowboy hat on? No. You're looking up. You're looking off in the distance, chewing, chewing a piece of hay. A cowboy hat and my boots, for sure. Cowboy hat and boots, sitting there with maybe mountains in the background. This picture is taken from north. You're in Canmore, maybe. You know, you've got a nice spot. There might be a horse in the background. Home on the Yeah, that's my favorite area is Canmore, Banff. Like I always said, if I lived in Alberta, I'd live in Calgary. Just because you can get to those mountains in a half hour and, you know, yeah, minutes and they're always so in the beauty. back. I mean, it adds a lot for me, too. Yeah. A lot. The further you, cl- closer you get to those mountains is. And all my like buddies from Edmonton that are going to listen to that are going to be like, what? Like, like we're Edmonton guys. But, yeah, but you are an Edmonton guy. You can like the mountains. I hear you. I'm going to get shit for that, too, because most of my friends out there are in Edmonton. Change one rule about hockey. Yeah. I don't know. There's a lot of rules that could change about hockey. Uh, I don't know. Don't know. I, that, that's a tough one because I, I don't know. Should goals in overtime count three on three, like for stats? No. I don't think so. No, either. no, I don't think so. When you when we're ta- yeah, when we're talking about Ovechkin and the break, you know, breaking Gretzky's rule, no, like he he never did. Even though the goalies are better nowadays, don't get me wrong. Well, you could make anything. My thing. People all going, well, you know, everybody now is all this much better. Look, it's all relative. Yes. Yeah, Lemieux won the scoring for 16 years in a row. Let's get Using honest. wooden sticks. Using wooden sticks. Using wooden sticks. Yeah. Right? I'm like, I, we could say that about anything if people trained more and they had, you know, all I know is that relative to the people of the era, Wayne Gretzky won the scoring and his assists. He won it every goddamn year. It wasn't even close. And, and Or Lemieux when he came in. Everybody else. I mean, imagine if Steve Eisenman didn't have to deal with them. We might be talking about him as one of the greatest five or ten players ever. Yeah. But the boys won it every goddamn year. Now, that that's all I mean. You, you could get 80 points. The whole game could change, and you could only get 80 points. But if you get 80 every year and someone else and, and nobody else does, it's the same to me. It's relative dominance. Sure. Um, of course, things are going to change. That's what happens. Uh, what goes on a perfect pizza? Jalapenos, pineapple, and ham. Wow. The jalapeno call on top of the ham and pineapple. Yeah. The little spicy, spicy pineapple, spicy jalapeno drink. I've never tried. I tried ham and pineapple a lot. Not, and I, I don't mind it. I, I don't have a specific favorite. I'm eating cheese pizza a lot lately. Totally. You know what's been good lately? Tequila with spicy, with, with jalapeno lemonade is good. Really? Yeah. Never fucking heard of that before either. Kila, help him. Okay, I'll mark that down. Um, name me a stupid sport. Field hockey. 
make aliens dance. Aliens come here and they want to dance, but one song. If not, the earth explodes and humanity's over. You have to make them dance. You have to pick one song. You get knocked down, you get back up. Chumbawamba. Chumbawamba, Tub Thumper is the name of that one. Is that what it is? Uh, <laughs> would you take your big toe off? Okay, so you cut it off. You sever your big toe. You got to sew it onto your head. Okay, so there's a big toe coming out above your brow. And go by the name Fluff for the rest of your life. Fluff Virtue for $422 million. Yeah, yeah, that's a lot of money. Just, yeah, like It I is can... a lot of money. Now you got a big toe coming off your head. But it would be a conversation starter. And if anybody asks, you're free to say why. Because I'm because I'm wealthy, I can buy buy whatever I want. You see all my friends around me because that's what I do. I have <laughs> money, and I would surround me with all my good friends, and they wouldn't have to work anymore either. So they would look after me. Anybody mouthed me off, they would look after me, and I have all I'd have all my friends around me. I and I totally like that call. I mean, there'd be a level of. You, you, for the rest of life, you wouldn't really know who your friends actually were, but you know, the, your buddies that you had before you made the deal, we'd be flying yeah. all over. I wouldn't have no, to worry like you about being flying out rich, Like you think if you ever win the lottery and you win, you know, these Powerballs are worth 320 million. Yeah, my like, buddies are all going to... No, no, but what's good having money if you have no friends? All your friends got to go to work still. They're all doing this. this. How about just give them the money so you can just hang out and do whatever you want? It'd be so much fun. Go, go golf and go... Yeah, just have an entourage, have a bit of fun. 422 schmill. I mean, come uh, on. Yeah. You're not, yeah. can't spend that in 10 lifetimes. Well, you could, but come on. Um, you got to pick one of these things. Bungee jump, skydive, or have a recovering heroin addict pick pubes out of your sack with tweezers. I've already bungee jumped, so I guess I'm going to go with skydiving. Wow, you've already bungee jumped. I thought that would be scary. I mean, that so in Louisville, Kentucky, at the Kentucky Derby, back in the day, they used to set up a big crane in the back of the bar area, and some girl talked me into it. Said she was gonna, she'll pay for it. She'll do it with me. I got on the crane, bringing me up there. She never got on. So that's that's, that's how the bungee jump. I had a I, like I will say I had a few drinks in me. So. Yeah. Hey, you fucking did it, man. You did it. Yeah. I I wouldn't. There's no way. Uh, okay. Final question. All-time team. So you got to pick an all-star team, five, five players, three forwards, two D, and a goalie in this hypothetical world. Everybody's in their prime. I I make a team out of my computer generated, and you make a team, and they got to play each other. If you if you win the game, you get let's see, forty-eight point two million dollars for the next three years. And after that, you get your own NHL franchise to do what you want. So there's a lot on the line here. But you've got to pick three players, two D and a goalie, and their names can't be Howe or Gretzky, Lemieux, or any Montreal Canadiens. Grant Fear, good Spruce Grove man. Good hey. Spruce Grove guy, great guy. He was in St. Louis with me and looked after me. Yeah. Ray Bork. Okay. Fucking two stellar picks. Nick Lidstrom. Yeah. Now, now I got to go to my forwards. You do. And they don't have to be like center, right, left. Everybody play. By the end of everybody's career, they end up doing all of it anyway, for the most part. 
You can just pick three great forwards. Sidney Crosby. And I'm winning the cup. Mark Messier. Fuck yeah. I got one more, right? One more? Yeah. Mm. I, th- I think I like the guy you brought up, Steve Eiserman. Steve Eiserman, it also give you one right shot out there, too. Yeah, Steve Eiserman. That's that'd be my team. Stevie Eisenman, that is a fucking stellar team. Virch, thanks for doing this. Do you have anything you need to promote? Are you coaching? Or you, you got a- no, I coach, I coach a young U16 hockey team, which is good. But, uh, you know, like I'm in the energy business, power play energy group with another ex-hockey player, Sean Heafy. And, uh, yeah, I mean, we're down, down doing the energy procurement and we try to help people with solar and all that. We're in, so that's what I do. Do you go as an ex-Ranger and you're fairly close? Do you ever go to the uh, games as alumni? No, not to the Rangers yet, but the Boston Bruins actually, just as we were talking, we got, you know, because I play, because the Boston Bruins alumni is the best. They're, they are the best. Uh, they, they doesn't matter how many games you've played. You play one game. I've played four. You treat you like you've been there forever. you got guys like Rick Middleton, Terry O'Reilly, Ray Borg, all these guys, you know. So we play a lot of charity games in the Boston area. Right? I think we try to get up to 40 charity games. So awesome. So what you benefit from, you when you're around, you go to the alumni box. Whenever you want to go to a game, you just got to put your name in. We get four ticket seats and get treated, treated like gold. And it's 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 a great thing to be part of. I don't know about the Rangers alumni. I really haven't paid much attention to it, like because I haven't been in the area either. So I guess yeah. that'd be something I could go to New York and see what's what's going on. So. Same sort of thing with the Habs. I uh, those guys you mentioned too. Once in a while they'll come to Newfoundland, and if they they they'll just turn it into. And NHL alumni because maybe they don't have enough Bruins or whatever. So I've played with all those guys. Rick Middleton, I couldn't believe, still had a good shot. Like just a few years ago, I played with him, and he must be getting up there now. But he was pretty good. Um, and Bork all the time. Uh, he well, yeah. So I guess it was four or five years ago. I actually played in Red Deer, Alberta. We're supposed to play just north of Edmonton, so I made it a trip. Went up there for a week. Yeah. Trip went and traveled with the Bruins. We played in Red Deer. We we're supposed to play Northern on a, on a reservation. Didn't play. Something happened. Got canceled. I don't know. Snow or whatever it was. Our flights got canceled. But we played in Red Deer in front of three, four thousand fans. And then, uh, yeah. So made That's it. fucking awesome. And, and, um, yeah. Where are we going? You think this year for Sam Man's birthday? I don't know. I don't know. I know. I'd like to make the trip to Newfoundland again, maybe. I really think you guys, honestly, I know you'd have a blast over here. You've been here, but I'm, I don't know if you've like, been we here. Didn't, we, didn't even, we didn't even get into stories about about basically the very first day that I had a beer with you and senior, and, which was, I, I tell the story up. It's, it's, it's a classic story. It's, it, it's an awesome story because it's, it's well, innocent. But how about this? I want to do something. I want to book you because I got to have you back. Sam man has been back like five or six times, but I got to have you back. I've had a few uh, frequent guests, but, uh, I'd like to get your take once in a while and maybe remember this lead with that story. And I'm not saying like sometime in the future that we might get back to how about say three weeks from now, you want to come on again? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Okay. So, um, I generally have one guest a week, so let's just be safe about it. And I got two that are knocking on the door now and we're, I'm trying to figure out the next couple, but let's say by mid November, you be on here again and lead with that story. And then we'll go, uh, into a different direction. I'm sure you got another hour in you. Perfect. Sounds good, TR. Okay. Thanks, Birch. Really appreciate it, buddy. Talk soon. Popular. Bye.
And there you have it, folks. Episode 123B in the bag. Thanks to Terry Virtue. Can't wait to have him back. And uh, I believe what I'll do in a couple of weeks from now, two or three weeks maximum, let's say three weeks, let's lock it down. I'm going to have Terry Virtue and Taran Sandwith on at the same time. Maybe tell some stories. Uh, those guys are good buddies. And uh, individually, very interesting, of course. But I think we'll have both of them on and have some Tri-City talk, some hockey talk, get their opinions on uh, this particular hockey season upcoming and uh, maybe just fill in the blanks with some great stories that they have from over the years because the boys are good buddies and uh, easy to talk to. Folks, if you're going downtown in St. John's, of course, head to George Street and go to Rob Roy, Trinity Pub, TJ's, Green Sleeves, or the Bull and Barrel. Those are my favorite places to have a drink. And, uh, of course, when I go for a meal, the first places I think to go are Merchant Tavern, Blue on Water, and, of course, Wedgwood Cafe at the end of Elizabeth Avenue. Peter Wedgwood, who also does catering, great guy, great chef, great person, great friend. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in to 123B. I'll be back in just a few days with a new guest next week. And uh, have a great weekend, everybody. I know I will. Catch you on the rebound.